0: One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, Columbia, Columbia, the Welcome back to another episode of TKW at the Buzzer, where we bring you a recap of the Knights contest for the New York Knicks. Unfortunately, this was probably one of the worst losses so far that we have to talk about with you. Uh, the Knicks were taking on the Orlando Magic, who have a record or had a record of 3-11 and coming into this game. Now they are 4-11 and have two home wins against the New York Knicks compared to the Knicks three home wins pretty bad stuff Uh, the final score was 104 to 98 all around it was a lot of blame to be doled out to different Knicks players a lot of different schemes going on and I'm just curious as to how you guys felt about the first half of the game at least.
1: So for starters, um, the Magic having two wins at MSG, the Knicks having three wins at MSG, that's pretty horrible, especially when you consider that the Magic uh, only have four wins. Definitely unacceptable. Um, From the start of this game, Knicks didn't have great energy, but they did enough to get by. Ball movement wasn't great with the starters, but it was okay. They created some good shots that uh, just didn't fall. But it got to a point where you were like, okay, it feels like if the Knicks were playing any other team, they'd be down pretty significantly right now with the effort that we're seeing. Um, of course, the bench came in and then it was a bit of a different story as far as the energy goes. But uh, and what are the observations that you guys have for the start of this game?
2: I mean, I thought this was a must-win game. So I'm extremely disappointed with the outcome. Like, Dean was saying the starters came out and they were giving a a fair effort. It's like they come into games with practice intensity and they need more than that, you know, extra edge if they want to win these games and they didn't play with it. Um, you know, it was it was okay effort. Um, I think some shots weren't going in. There was a little bit of decent ball movement, but so lacking a lot of that extra ball movement that was really present in preseason and you know, we got by by, you know, limited um efficiency in our possessions but you know it carried over into the second half and when the magic started playing hustling and um allowed us to get into a hole into that second half and it wasn't pretty after that
0: yeah i mean the game started off a little bit weirdly to me where it just felt like you know, neither time, neither team really had it going. And so I was a little bit confident to start just because usually when the Knicks are off, the other team is going off. So I was hoping that at least the Knicks would stay close enough where it wouldn't become like this blowout on either end of the spectrum. And it didn't end up being a blowout, but it was more just, you know, disappointing. There are such high standards for this team with the moves that they made during the off season getting a shooter in Evan Fournier, signing a confident point guard in Campbell Walker, you would think that the Knicks would be able to handle a team like the Orlando Magic, and that's the expectation for a team that's a playoff contender or becoming a playoff contender. Now we're looking at the Knicks that look like they might just be in the play-in or a lower seed than we had initially predicted to start the season. I don't want to overreact at all because I'm sure we get enough of that just being on Nick's Twitter. But that being said, there are so many changes that I think need to be made. And, you know, I'm kind of tired of hearing the constant, we have to do better and we have to come out with more energy. I'm just wondering when that's going to happen. Um, But I think one of the bright spots, uh, spots to start this game was definitely Mitchell Robinson. He looked fantastic. Um, what were you guys thoughts on him?
1: Mitch was one of the only starters, uh, that was a positive, actually, he was the only starter that was an actual positive as far as plus minus goes. I'm pretty sure. Um, sorry, let me just pull that up, get my numbers right on that. Yeah. So Mitch was a plus eight in this game. Obi Toppin was a plus 11 and those were the only guys on the team that were a positive in this game which is remarkable eight out of the Knicks' 10 players were negative in a six-point loss julius randall was a negative 21 we're going to talk about that a little bit more but yeah mitch was five for six 13 points 11 boards his rebounding was phenomenal tonight he was really fighting he was creating a lot of second chances for the knicks um kemba walker didn't look terrible but he just wasn't much of a factor he played about 21 minutes went two for seven from the field and uh another very off night for rj barrett 0 for seven from downtown but uh seven for 12 inside the arc and he had some really nice moments finished with 17 and nine five assists there were a lot of um, there are a lot of great moments for RJ in this game, especially in that fourth quarter once he was able to play with that faster, more exciting bench unit. Uh, he seems to play a little bit more freely with, um, you know, with the energy that that group plays with.
2: Yeah, Mitch was excellent start off the night. Uh was really active on the glass. He was really um, probably one of the only starters that was actually scoring and getting his will and inside the paint early on. Julius Randall was really settling. I not say settling, but he was taking those open threes that the defense was giving him, and um, I think he started off the game shooting pretty well, but after that, kind of fell off and didn't really get to his spots, didn't really get to the, the basket like that, but Mitch, you know, he's still trying to get, like, his, his legs under him and trying to figure out how to move around with his body, but I don't know if it's new weight or just him not fully understanding how to move his limbs and everything properly yet, kind of still in that young development stage, but when he was on the floor, Mitch, and, I mean, I feel like he's getting better because he had, like, that one lob where, you know, I think he's saying he's reading the game a lot quicker than how he can move. But I feel like he got that really one that one really good lob where it looks like he's actually getting used to his body, so that's a really good positive sign. But, yeah, Mitch, excellent tonight. He's said plus eight overall. Amazing to see. Um, any other good players that you guys saw tonight?
0: Um, I mean, other than Mitch, I felt like – the bench again was more of the bright spot of the game, um, but of the starters, I think Mitch was, you know, by far the most present and just the most dominant force. Um, and I really appreciated the job that he managed to do against Mobamba. I know that wasn't an easy task tonight. Mobamba, it seemed like he was getting every putback and they actually finished both with 11 rebounds. Uh, and that makes sense because they looked like they were playing pretty much at the same caliber as each other. Um, but Mitch was definitely containing him a bit more easily than uh Taj Gibson could. And then Randall towards the end there, where I think Randall was playing the five by the end of the game, uh, super small lineup. He was trying his best to contain Mo Bamba, but that was never gonna work. Um, but he did a great job tonight. I was really happy with that. But other than Mitch, I would have to say we'd have to look at the bench <laughs> to find a good player for tonight.
1: Yeah. Quickly tonight off the bench had seven assists and um, he's really been looking good as of late to me as a point guard. Uh, not that he's uh, the sole point guard when he's out there, but his ball handling, especially last game, a lot of his slicing into the lane, using hesitations and shot fakes to get into the lane. Um, I think that Emmanuel quickly has been playing really well. That's one of the bright spots of you know this recent stretch of games that have been pretty discouraging as a whole for the Knicks outlook, Alec Burks, he was only five for 16 from the field, but it felt like his best game of the year. He made some huge shots to get the Knicks back into the game, played with a lot of energy. Um, you know, he finished with 15 points, five boards, five, four assists and active on defense. Once again, um, on that bench unit, didn't get much from Taj Gibson. Well, didn't really get anything from Taj Gibson, but that's okay. And Going back to the starters, another very forgettable game uh, for Evan Fournier, two for six, played 20 minutes, five points, just not really inserting, not really making uh, a big impact on the game in his minutes. Now, Julius Randle, I don't think we've mentioned this, four of 11 from the field, four of 10 from three. That's a really good shooting night, four of 10 from three, that's 40% on some high volume, but to take one shot in the paint, or I don't, I'm not sure it was in the paint, but to take one shot inside the arc. And Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter had a lot to do with that. The magic play, very big. And Randall clearly didn't seem to think that he had an advantage driving in. But for your number one guy, for a guy that made all-NBA second team last year, that's just, in my opinion, unacceptable to take 11 shots and 10 of them are just threes. He's supposed to be a more dynamic player than that.
2: Yeah, when we look at the... Three point attempts, four of ten, that's really good if you can shoot that consistently, but when you're not taking those shots in the paint or even getting near, near the basket, you know, that's really going to hurt your team. One thing I noticed about Julius Randle I didn't like at all this game, I feel like he was taking his matchup really personally with, with Franz Wagner. Um, I didn't think that that was needed in the lineup. We really need a lot more ball movement. I said that on Twitter, that I was kind of joking around saying that I want Julius Randle to play a lot more like Jewel Green and less like Jewel Mello Anthony. But Randle just, I don't know, I feel like every once in a while he has these matchups where he thinks the defender isn't at his level and he wants to prove that and it really comes to a detriment because, you know, I don't know, a lot of these guys are taking that matchup really personally as well and they're locking up on him and he's not getting to his spots and he can't rise up and hit those tough contested jumpers like last year and it's even worse because most matchups from Julius Randle last year was like one-on-one it's that's a bucket and it's only when he got doubled then that's when he got stopped but lot this year it's he's not really making those tough shots anymore um they're not really giving those those hard doubles where he can make those easy reads anymore it's a lot more him getting shadowed and that's kind of I mean credit to the Hawks in the playoff series kind of displaying that that tactic against Julius Randle, but these teams, they're giving that that same kind of coverage every single night, and he's not playing up to par. and It's hurting the team as a result. Uh, Candice, any of the further um, things you've seen from Jules Randle this past game?
0: Yeah, I mean, like you guys already touched on, he had a pretty efficient game, 4-for-10. I'm not mad at that. Um, aside from Randle, and I guess more so just including him, when the Knicks realize that they're not Hitting those three pointers. And I know that the whole team was pretty much designed in the offseason to be a three point shooting team. Um, once they realized that they couldn't hit those shots, I'm just curious as to why Randall kept going back to that shot. Some of them were good looks. So I understand why he would go for that. But and then some of them were, you know, very contested looks where, like you guys also already touched on, he used to be able to hit, or at least last season, he was hitting those tough shots, even tough three pointers but they were not falling. The fact that he only took one shot inside the line is a little bit questionable. The only thing that I could think of, or the only explanation for that is that he picked up a lot of fouls very quickly. Um, When I heard that he had four fouls in the broadcast, I was like, taken aback because I didn't even realize that he had accumulated that many. So I think that his ability to be a little bit more aggressive in the paint, his usual, you know, uh, backing down defenders in the paint and trying to draw fouls. I think he was probably a little bit more hesitant to do that. Um, And I think he was just hesitant overall in this entire game. And I think that's what led to a lot of those really long three-pointers that just were not going down. And the fact that a lot of his shots were from three-point range, he did hit a few, which was great, but he didn't get much help aside from that. And he honestly wasn't the biggest help on the team. I think RJ Barrett ended up having the most points in this game for the Knicks.
1: Yeah, So going back to um, you know what we've talked about on pretty much every episode so far, which is that big difference between the bench and the starters as far as effectiveness, efficiency, um, the pace that they play with. It's time to, in my opinion, really, really think about the situation when it comes to Obi Toppin's playing time. Because there was a point when Julius Randle was playing incredible basketball, and we were hoping to see Obi Toppin play next to Julius Randle because Obi Toppin was starting to improve a little bit, and we wanted to see what we had in him, and um, obviously you weren't going to take Randle off the court to do so. Um, it's getting to a point where the Knicks play so much better with Obi Toppin on the court just as a one-for-one proposition. Um, this season, the Knicks have a 120 offensive rating with Obi on the court, 108 defensive rating. With Julius Randle, let me just look at that right now, it's a 104 offensive rating and a 108 defensive rating. So a minus four net. Um, And the eye test really bears that out. When they, when Obi's on the court, they play so much faster. There's a lot more joy. Obviously there are other guys that play with those groups. The whole group that Obi plays with, plays with a lot of energy and pace, but, the Knicks, as far as like winning a game tomorrow, I think they would play better with Obi Toppin on the court, and that's not to cast Randall aside or to scapegoat Randall. But right now, the way that Randall is playing, it's not translating to winning. And Obi Toppin, of course, has been a real spark plug for the Knicks, and it is translating to winning basketball games.
2: Yeah, speaking about um, offense rating and defense rating, of the past eight games, the Knicks have been a bottom eight offense in the league and so much of our talk was you know our optimism was saying oh we were a top three offense for like the first five or so whatever games and i believe we're about like 11 or so now with offense but last whatever eight games you know small sample size but the offense has been terrible we're not moving the ball in the starting unit um everyone's trying to get their own iso buckets and sometimes one player can go off like kimball went off one night. RJ might go off another night, but there's no continuity in that lineup. And, I mean, our defense has been better. I think we're an average defense at this point all around. But overall, we're a bottom 10 team in net rating over the last eight games. And if we're playing at this consistent pace, we're not going to make the playoffs. And that's something that has to improve. The East is tough. We have to play better.
0: Yeah. And uh, if you look at some of the better defensive teams, it's, you know, a lot of teams in the East, especially Chicago is just a team that comes to mind where their defense is really surprising a lot of people. I think they're probably like a top eight or if not a top five defense in the NBA right now. I'd have to check. But I mean, they added a bunch of new pieces as well. And, you know, I don't mean to compare the two teams, but when you have a team that's led by a coach whose entire mantra is defense first, and they also had, you know, a top four defense last season, coming into this season, you would have expected them to keep going and build off of that progress. And instead they've regressed defensively and yet somehow progressed offensively. And I'm actually just really curious to know how much of the bench contributes to that offensive rating being higher than, you know, from what we can see that it should be, because the starters are definitely not contributing to that potency, in my opinion. Um, And just the regression on defense is definitely the more concerning aspect to me, especially the fact that you couldn't even crack 100 points in this game, but you gave up 104 to the Magic, who are 4-11, and but have half of their wins against you. You being the team that is supposed to be a playoff contender, it's just really. Strange to me how that regression happened so quickly.
1: Yeah, so to think about last year for a second, coming into the season, Alfred Payton, Reggie Bullock, Nerlens Noel, those aren't guys that the league really thought of as surefire starters. Now Bullock and Nerlens Noel had really great years, and by the end of it, you can see them—you know—as a low-end starter on a pretty good team. But those guys, um, with the exception at times of Payton, they defended. it was part of their identity, especially Nerland's Noel. And, you know, last year, you never took defense for granted with this team. You were worried about the offense because they didn't have much outside of uh, Randall. And later in the year, Derek Rose, Emmanuel Quickly was having some big games, but you knew that it started with defense, that they were gonna play the best defense that they possibly could, and hopefully get a little bit hot from the outside and try to pull out a win. I think coming into this year, a lot of guys are just resting on their laurels i don't know about a lot of guys but the first few games of the year we saw rj look like he might make an all defense bid i don't think he's been bad since then but i don't think he's played with that same edge i don't think it's all on him because is he going to be the only guy in the unit that's you know hustling to that level julius Randle is not bringing the same energy on defense you don't want to blame it on you know last year was a contract year for him Now he comes in and it's really not the same effort. I think that he'll turn it around. But Kemba Walker, he's trying, but he's not a great defender. Evan Fournier, it seems every single play, he's behind his defender, trailing, trying to catch up. Sometimes he's a little crafty, gets in the passing lane and makes a steal. But as a unit, they're just not playing with a lot of heart. And I think they're all rubbing off on one another. And you could tell once it goes to the bench because that bench unit doesn't have some all-world defenders, but they defend really hard and really well. I don't think anyone traditionally has thought of Derrick Rose and Alec Burks as defensive stoppers throughout their career, especially in recent years. But that group plays really hard. They play really well. And at some point, the starters just need to go for broke and give it 100% and see where it goes from there. Because at this point, if we make lineup changes, I think we will be making lineup changes after not seeing what that starting lineup could look like if they played their absolute hardest.
2: I completely agree, but just touch on a much brighter note. Uh, I think we gotta get we gotta give Obi Toppin some love. I know Dean, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but just it's night and day when him and when he's on the floor and Randall's off. Like Obi's, like he's I call him like he's like a really good connector. He doesn't hold the ball at all. He's always moving, always cutting at the right time. Um, really active. And that, like you said, the bench unit always plays with a much better intensity, better intensity on defense. Even guys that weren't really renowned as highly touted defenders, like Alec Burks, are playing with really good intensity off that bench unit. Mayor quickly, who wasn't really seen as a good defender coming out of college, has really shown to be a positive defender off the bench. And when they came back in after I don't know how many points the the starter scored, and that's the start of the third quarter, but I believe it might have been like less than ten points, I remember like halfway through the third quarter it was like fifty eight points, and we ended up scoring ninety four so in the rest last sixteen minutes, we got up to about thirty points, so that's incredibly impressive and um I believe the yeah the bench unit always came and played well, and I don't know if you can you want to talk about what went wrong in that second half uh, that caused our demise.
0: Yeah, I think that what was really just building up the entire game is what ended up causing the Knicks to really fall apart. And that's turnovers. Like, I I can't even count the number of times that a Knicks player stepped out of bounds. Like, that's kind of ridiculous. (laughs) So, I mean, turnovers were just running rampant for all Knicks players uh, between stepping out of bounds or just really errant passes especially from Derek Rose who had a really off night to me where he had five turnovers which was a team high um, he's usually pretty solid but he was definitely throwing the ball away a lot in this game and I don't know if that was just him being overzealous and just trying to force something to happen which I completely get especially from the bench unit who usually come in when the Knicks are already down <laughs> but I think that turnovers really just spelled doom for the Knicks from the jump. And it did it for them at the end. And then we saw that with the Franz Wagner hammer at the very end. And I feel like that completely swung the momentum out of the Knicks' favor. It blew the air out of them. And then the next play I think was another turnover, which led to I think it was a Wendell Carter, if I'm not mistaken, a dunk from him to just really seal the deal for the magic. I think turnovers were definitely an issue for them. I wasn't really mad at the lineup changes. I was a little upset that Obi didn't close though, especially with the game that he had. I think that he was our best player by far. Um, he should have closed it out with them and it should have been Obi at the five with Randall at the four. And instead they went with Randall at the five, which was very confusing to me. And I don't know if we've seen that a lot this season, but yeah, I think that turnovers were definitely what spelled doom for them.
1: Yeah, that was an interesting lineup at the end there. I wasn't that mad at it when it happened. Um I thought that Obi should close the game. I virtually always think that Obi should be closing the game. <laughs> but I thought it was pretty interesting to have RJ at the 4 with Randall at the 5 at least offensively. Um I underestimated the fact that as soon as Obi came out of the game and Randall was the lone big, it seemed like one of the first things the Magic did was to give it to Franz Wagner who drives to the basket and posters us. And then, of course, there was the lob to Carter that sealed the deal. It was one of the most embarrassing ways the Knicks have lost in a while that I can remember. Um, And that was really, really tough. I don't understand uh, why Obi wasn't on the court at the end of the game. I know that there was one play where Obi got caught on an island uh, against Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony got into the paint and Obi was in position to block that shot. Absolutely. He ended up fouling him. He didn't show that much discipline on that play, but I think that's the reason that Tibbs took him out. And I think that that's a bad reason. Like, Obi Toppin got us back in the game. I think it was kind of clear that Julius Randle was hurting the Knicks tonight. So for Randle to come back in, play next to Obi for a little bit, and then the first person to get the hook is Obi it doesn't really make sense. It's a very questionable decision from Tibbs because Obi was very obviously better than uh, Julius Randle in this game. Um, I haven't been incredibly impressed with Tom Thibodeau this year. I still have a lot of love for him as a coach. He deserves to win coach of the year. But at this point, the Knicks have lost a bunch of winnable games. And for someone who like, I've really held up as a great motivator, the Knicks are coming out of halftime and getting destroyed at the start of every third quarter. I saw someone tweet like, are the Knicks giving the players warm milk at halftime? <laughs> I thought that was really funny, but it's true. Like they come out and you know that if they're up six, they're going to be down by three within a couple minutes. It's a given at this point, And it happens every time. They're a, a really bad third quarter team.
2: Yeah. It was a very disappointing effort. in, you see that, that third quarter, um, starters they always don't play with any kind of intensity at all but talking about the randall for ob kind of talking point in that fourth quarter i was really confused by that as well i think ob deserved to get that time at the end of the game after randall's you know performance i didn't think that he deserved to be on the court um at that point i'm pretty sure he was still like a negative 12 and he ended the game with a negative nine 21 so in that span he Um, increase the Knicks deficit, or he allowed the Knicks deficit to increase by 9 in that period. And I just saw a stat Muse stat where in the last five games Julius Randle's been a negative 68. In that span, he's had averages of 3.4 assists, 3.6 turnovers, and he's been hitting wow 38% on field goals, 36.8% on his three-point attempts, and 45.5% from the free throw line. So Randall's not been playing well these past couple of games. I understand that he's the, our star and you, he should be on the court at the close of these games, but I don't know what's going on with him. Something's going on. He has to get that sorted out. And if he's not having it, Tibbs needs to have that trust in his other teammates and other people on the team to close out the game. Like Obi, who's having a fantastic night on both offense and defense.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, it's a team sport and I feel like if Randall and coach Thibodeau are as committed to winning as you know I would hope that they are and they say they are it makes sense logically to give more minutes to Obi and give at least some rest to Randall I don't know if rest has anything to do with it but The way that Tibbs handles these games, the starters definitely get run into the ground before the bench really even comes in. He's adjusted to that a little bit more and a little bit better, in my opinion, the last few games. And I think that's led to a little bit more success offensively as well as defensively. But when it comes to Randall, I'm not giving up on him just yet. I think a lot of Twitter is already giving out like trade scenarios, which is kind of hilarious and sad at the same time, (laughs) but I'm not giving up on him just yet. I think that he has the ability to figure it out. He figured it out for the entirety of last season. He was most improved player for a reason. Um, But I think Obi Toppin deserves more than, you know, 18 minutes a game. If Randall is playing this way consistently with those types of negative numbers,
1: yeah, for sure but yeah it's pretty simple with julius randall struggling you would think that maybe we'll see if he plays better in 29 minutes and let obi play 19 minutes instead of obi playing let's say 12 minutes or 13 minutes recently obi's gotten a little bit more run with the bench being relied on to bring us back from pretty harsh deficits and so Tibbs is staying with that bench group longer and obi's getting a few more minutes but Um, And I know I've talked about Obi a lot on this podcast, especially in relation to with how Julius Randall has been playing, but the Knicks drafted Obi um, eighth overall last year. And he is playing really well, better than I ever expected when he was drafted. Like I think he's lived up to his draft spot and more in my opinion. So at this point, it's like what's holding him back from getting more minutes. I believe he's represented by Leon Rose's son. Um, that's his agent so you would think that you know he's got the inside track on more opportunity with this team especially when he's leading this team in player efficiency rating I think he's leading the team in plus minus uh after Derek Rose and you just wonder you know what's going to give for Obi Toppin to play some more
2: yeah for sure but looking forward to our next game it's on Saturday it's a earliest afternoon game It's at five o'clock against the Rockets. And I think this is safe to say, this is a must win game. The Rockets are one in 14 and, you know, we talk about, you know, us running a lot of ISO ball. Well, the Rockets run a lot as well. Kevin Porter Jr. has not been playing as great as, you know, skeptics were saying, you know, comparing him to like RJ Barrett and saying he was better. I think it's safe to say that RJ is a better player than KPJ at this point. But you know, that's the team that we have to watch out for. We can't take them lightly, even though they're one to fourteen. Christian Wood's a great player. KPJ on the right night can drop fifty on you. And, you know, their rookie Jalen Green is explosive. You know, he's he's got that that F factor. I mean, he hasn't really played, been playing up to his draft stock as of yet, but You know, with Nick's luck, he might just have that one blossom game against us. So we have to, you know, be on our P's and Q's and, you know, come out to play this game. Candice, what are your thoughts for the the Rockets game?
0: Yeah, absolutely. A must-win game. Um, I I was really hoping that they would win out for this entire home stretch, but it is what it is. Um, But, you know, nothing against the Rockets, but this, if they were to lose against Houston, would be more heartbreaking than this loss to the magic and I only say that because this Rockets team is not very developed I mean I know they have Jalen Green he's fun to watch at times but other than him you know there's not much going on with Houston and so the Knicks somehow lose this game I at that point I might like inch towards the panic button I won't hit it, but I'm going to be close to it just because I don't understand how you aren't able to put away a team like this. But I mean, I'm just excited to see how the Knicks bounce back from this loss against Orlando. Um, I'm really curious to see what Tibbs does with Obi's minutes, especially. I'm I'm interested to see what he does with IQ's minutes, because IQ played a really good game tonight as well. Um, But you know, considering his post game comments, it just seems like he thinks the issue is just not preparing the starters well enough and not so much an issue of the starters just aren't playing well, period, and needs to be a change. So we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, with an opponent like the Rockets, really hope that the Knicks starting lineup can find a rhythm. Really hope that the Knicks blow out the Rockets. Um, I almost feel like you'd rather see them, you know, lose. And maybe that spurs a change in the rotation, or is more of a wake up call. Than to see them just eke out a win, um, especially if it's again the the starters um, playing poorly, being a negative. The bench brings the Knicks back. The Knicks, uh, you know, eke out an, a narrow win in the end. So I just hope that it's a blowout win for the Knicks. It should be a blowout win for the Knicks. I'm not too confident that that'll be the outcome, but that's what I want to see. I want the Knicks to respond to a brutal loss that they had tonight, and come out with a lot of energy, and I hope they get the win.
2: Yeah, it's kind of crazy saying that the Rockets are coming to MSG, and we're not confident in getting a win, so that's basically a summary of what our season's been. But yeah, the Knicks need to come out with a better effort against this Rockets team. I want to see some cohesiveness between that starting lineup. I want tips to scream at them in practice, get them on the right page, and you know come out with a really good effort, but you know, so another recap from us at the next wall at the buzzer. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you made it this far, you're the GOAT. And I'll catch you on
0: Saturday after the recap.